0: Listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca and take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter four. We are coming to the end of our series in Philippians. This is part sixteen as we've been going through it. Um, chapter by chapter, virtually verse by verse, and, and taking God's word and, and allowing it to speak to us through this book, through this letter that Paul wrote. So, Philippians chapter 4, there's going to be things I'm going to encourage you to underline and for you to follow along and to read with me as we go through the word here this morning. But here in, just to give you a, again just a, a brief synopsis, Paul was in prison as he was writing this letter. He was awaiting a trial before the Roman Emperor Nero, who had a reputation for using Christians as human, uh, garden, uh, as human torches at his garden parties. He was a deprived man. He was a man who was not very um, loving towards the cause of Christ. And so Paul was in prison awaiting this trial. And while he was in prison, he didn't have the comforts and and, and the conveniences that he would have as a free man. In fact, these prisons were, were pretty low grade. The food that he would eat, any clothing that he would be able to exchange or to get cleaned would come from friends who would care for him. The contact that he often had with the churches abroad that he had planted were often a source of concern from him. for him as he would hear reports of how they were doing, especially the Corinthian church as it was one that often seemed to be in a bit of trouble and was oftentimes a mess. And so there were also those in the local city, in Rome where he was, those who were preaching the gospel, those who were in churches and, and growing and building churches, but they were doing it with the wrong intentions and the wrong motivations. They were seeking their own glory. And it would also even seem, as we looked at earlier in, in this series, that some of them seemed to even take pleasure in the fact that Paul was in, Rome, was in prison. And so they were using that opportunity to promote their Teaching and promote the gospel that they were uh, proclaiming to the people. These would have been, many of these days, extremely hard and lonely days for Paul. And then all of a sudden one day this guy Epaphroditus shows up. Good old Epaphroditus from Philippi. And the guy came 1300 kilometers probably with a few others because he came to give some greetings to Paul. He came to also bring an offering to him that was collected from the church in Philippi. They they, they took an offering to bless him and to help him because he had everyday needs. And so all of a sudden it would have been a sight for sore eyes for him to see good old Epaphroditus. However Epaphroditus came and he wasn't feeling too well. In fact they were almost concerned for him to the point that he was going to die. But he came. He took some risks and he came to visit with Paul. And All throughout the book of Philippians as we've been going through it. And and you know this. If you've read through the book and if you've been in church for for, um, a number of years, you would probably know that the book of Philippians is the book of joy. It is bubbling over with joy. And Paul is full of it. He's full of joy even on the prison floor. Even in these conditions that I've described to you. Even though his future was uncertain, he didn't know how it was all going to turn out he was filled with this joy, overflowing, even contentment. He was content to be there. And you think, how can that be? He doesn't know his future, his life around him, his surroundings are lonely and difficult, and yet he found the secret. He found the secret to being content. And this is a letter that he is, and it just, this letter has just continued to build and build, and today we're looking at The secret he's exposing. He's sharing the secret to this joy and to this contentment. And you might be wondering. could I know this joy. And this contentment. In my life right now. In what I'm facing. In what I have gone through. Or what I'm kind of anticipating is yet to come. The answer is yes. It is for you. It is for me. It is for God's children. And so Paul is sharing the secret, and and, and the first thing that we see here in these three verses we're going to be looking at here today is we see Paul is rejoicing in gospel partnerships. And so in verse 10 of Philippians 4, where we left off from last week, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He's rejoicing here in the fact that they brought this offering. He's thanking them uh, for the offering that he brought them. But it was also even more just the fact that they sent Epaphroditus on this 1300 mile or kilometer journey to come and to see him and to visit and to bring this offering. He was rejoicing for the way that they were standing with him as friends, as partners in the gospel. He is so thankful that there was a history this wasn't just the first time that that they had provided an offering for him they had done this in the past and so he is so thankful for this and paul i mean he's given himself for sacrificial service for christ and yet he has a rejoicing spirit he's given himself and it hasn't always gone so well for him i wonder today if you were to be completely honest with yourself which It's probably a good idea to do so. Do you have a rejoicing spirit today? Do you have a rejoicing spirit? Or is it one like we talked last week of anxiety? Is it one of fear? Do you have a rejoicing spirit? How about when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ? Do you have a rejoicing spirit when it comes to the church? Over the years, Charlotte and I, we've both been blessed by the body of Christ as kids growing up. Were we in perfect churches? Absolutely not. Is this a perfect church? Absolutely not. And why? Because you don't have a perfect pastor. I know that's going to surprise some of you, but it is true. (laughs) Completely true. Nowhere near perfection. Not even getting close to that. Finally in heaven, one day it will. But until then... Keep on progressing. Keep on trusting the Lord but i even think as as newlyweds in in Saskatoon where i was a youth and young adults pastor and and it came to the point where where we ended up leaving that church we left and they gave us a farewell and they sent us off to Alberta to just outside of Edmonton to go and pastor a church there there were so many dear people in that church in Saskatoon that were praying for us that were encouraging us many that came and stayed with us because they wanted to go to West Edmonton Mall you know and uh, and and have a good time doing that but it was so great to have these dear friends, being able to, to encourage and pray for and support us in various ways. And it was even so interesting, even now, a little later on this summer, when we go home, I'm sure we'll be in that church, and there will be people there who say, we're praying for you. We're, how are things going in Kelowna? And, and I know that there are people there that are praying for us. We have this gospel partnership for our church, for our lives, people who are praying for you in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan blows your mind away perhaps but it's true that is one of the joys of gospel partnerships then five years ago this summer when we left alberta and moved here to Kelowna, that same church the church that we are part of there sent us here a lot of them with tears i don't think of joy it was tears of sorrow when we came here and they're so i mean even to this day as we were back there visiting a number of weeks ago and dear friends Partners in the gospel who are saying, we're praying for you. A lot of them saying, we're coming this summer. We want to come to Harvest Kelowna. Make sure you welcome them as they come in the door. I trust that you're doing that to to new folks, to those people who you don't know. Get to know them. Talk with them. Invite them because they're gospel partners. People in our city who may attend other churches and may show up here. We're gospel partners. We're desiring to do a work for the gospel together. And it's just so encouraging to have these kind of things. A former a staff member of mine, a guy who I worked with a number of years ago, now lives in, in Ontario. He attends Harvest Bible Chapel, Waterloo. He's the first one a number of years ago to introduce me to, to Harvest Bible Chapel. He is constantly sending text messages and 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 phone calls and and uh, believe it or not, he's listening to all of the sermons online and and he's caring for us and he's praying for us. He's praying about our location. He's asking about. It. He's getting his church, Harvest Bible Chapel, Waterloo, to be praying for us. Then we have our sending church, thousands of people that know about Harvest Kelowna and they bring up. Bring us up in prayer requests. They're praying for us. We have this gospel partnership. And there is something incredible when you know that there are those that are standing with you in prayer. Isn't it encouraging when you know that that there are people in your life that are praying for you? I want you to know that there are people praying for you that you don't even know. They're praying for this church. They're praying for the various needs that we have. Recently I heard of an 88-year-old man in Edmonton. His daughter and family attended the church we served in in Alberta, and on December 5th, he suffered a massive stroke. Almost didn't make it, and he's in rough shape. He's he's confined to a bed, and oftentimes his mind isn't completely always there. He struggles with that. He struggles. He's going to be confined more than likely to the bed until he gets to heaven. And his son-in-law will go and pray with him at times and just spend some time together talking. And, and, and when it comes to current events and everything, he doesn't really care too much about that. In fact, he gets a little confused. But boy, does that guy like to pray. And you know who he likes to pray for? You and I. He loves to pray for his brother and, and in Kelowna and for the church that, that he's a part of. You have people praying for you. That is the joy of the body of Christ how he how how we can pray for stand with support one another and we've appreciated that support and i trust that we are people that will continue to do that for others and for other churches we know that jesus will never leave us nor forsake us we know that he is with us and yet there is a reason that paul was in prison knowing that he had Hundreds, probably thousands of people in in other countries, some close by, some further away, that were praying for him. And now the Philippians actually stepped up to the plate and were even sending someone to go encourage him and even support him financially. What a blessing that is gospel partnerships are a blessing and I trust that you are a person that is involved in, part, in, in gospel partnerships and, and that happens as we get to know people as we allow them to get to know us and we get to know them and, and these kind of things happen in our lives and it is such a blessing to be a part of that. The secret for Paul's joy and contentment was knowing that there were others standing with him. He wasn't alone. And folks, We have those standing with us. You have no doubt. I mean many of you can give the the testimony. Of the powerful prayers of a grandmother. Or of a mother or a father or a grandfather. Someone who's been praying for you. Someone who has been taking you to the Lord. In a regular basis in prayer. Who've been supporting you in various ways. Paul's joy came. And his contentment came because he knew he wasn't alone. Folks were not alone. We've got the body of Christ spreading all around the world. And we can pray for and with one another. The second reason why of his secret here and why he was experiencing joy and contentment we see in verse 11 and 12. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I've learned in whatever situation I'm in, I am, I am to be content I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul is saying, whatever the situation, I've learned to be content. Whether I'm brought low, and I'm hungry, and I'm in need, or whether I'm abounding, I have plenty, and life is good, I'm content. You see, contentment isn't something that naturally comes to us. In fact, right out of the womb, we're not very content. I'm cold, the little baby says through a cry, through a wail. Cover me up, warm me up, cuddle me. I'm hungry, feed me, you know. Um, I'm wet, I'm dirty, change me. I have gas, burp me, you know, I can't sleep. Rock me. Hold me. I mean, right out of the womb, we're not content. We're always wanting something, and when we don't get it, we yell, and, and, and we just learn how to refine that, well, a little bit as we get older. Contentment becomes a choice, and you and I have to choose contentment. It's something we have to do on a daily basis. It is a choice that we have to make. But society, advertising, the whole media, I mean, is always trying to make you completely discontent with everything. I mean, if you don't upgrade your phone every year and a half, or whenever Apple or Samsung comes out with the latest model, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. I even heard, you know, that Apple Watch that came out just a couple of months ago? They've already released a second one, a second version of it. And, and, and there are those people... Maybe there's some here in this room. It's like, ah, we got a new product. I got to buy it. I got to get it, you know. And and, and we're kind of always, you know, at this kind of discontent. We always need to, you know what, whether it's the new phone, a new car. You know, tires are getting a little worn out. Better trade it in. Never know what might happen. You know, upgrade the house. We're always wanting to do these different things. And it's almost like life starts out kind of like these pylons that are here. You know, and it starts out, you know, as as a kid going through school. Oh, when I get to high school, that's when life is going to get a lot better. And then, oh, when I graduate, it's going to get better. And then, when I finish my graduation, you know, and, I, and I've done that, what's the next thing? And, and we think, as soon as I get to that next thing, I'm going to be content. When I get that car of my own, don't have to drive my parents' old beater, you know, then I'm going to be content. But you get that that car of your own, you got payments and that. When I get married, you know, that's what, oh, life is going to be so awesome when I'm married. And then you know, it's just like, I'm married and, and so I'm going to have kids. And so you have kids. And you just kind of keep on going. And it's, you know, kids and then a, Oh, can't wait for the kids to leave, to get out of the house, you know. Oh, can't wait for retirement, get sick of this job, take this job. Can't wait till I walk into the boss's office and say, take this job and shove it, I ain't working here no more, I'm retiring, you know. And uh, one time, it was funny, I, I had a neighbor talking to me and his father-in-law visiting from from uh, the far east of Canada had quite a strong accent. I think he was from Newfoundland. And uh, he came out and we were talking, I asked him what he, what he did. And he says, oh yeah, he says, I'm retired." And I'm like, oh, oh I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, like, uh, oh, and and how long have you been? Oh, yeah, I've been retired for 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 a number of years now, and I'm giggling, you know. Anyways, I mean, we think if I get re- <laughs> retired, you know, that that then, and I move to the Okanagan, or, or maybe you haven't even been retired or retired yet, and 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 you think I, if I move to Kelowna, then life will be good, then I'll be content, and it just kind of it, it, it's kind of like the. The posts just keep getting moved, and we're never quite there. We're never satisfied. Contentment is a choice. And this discontentment grows in our lives, in our relationships, in our jobs, in in, in what we have. And so we're always wanting something more, and we just think, if I just get this, then I'm there. And Paul is teaching us here today, as we look at this passage, he learned that contentment, he could have it whether he had plenty or whether he was in need. Whether his tummy was full or whether he was hungry. He was learning that on either side of the teeter-totter of life, either side of the fence, he could be content. He could experience joy. How did he do this? It was a choice. It was a choice that he had to make. It is a choice that we have to make. It's not going to be, again, you're not going to wake up one day and like, "Ah," you know, you're now content. Life is good no matter what happens. No, it's going to be a choice, a daily choice that we need to make towards contentment. So how did Paul learn this? How do you learn it? Well, we basically learn in two ways. We learn intellectually and we learn experientially. We learn through our minds, we, we, we learn how to do things from a book, we learn from God's word, but we also learn through experience. See, you can take, you can go online, and, or you can grab a cookbook, and you can read all, about how to bake a cake. You can learn the instruction, you can get the ingredients, you learn what to do, and you can have it all down, but then when it actually comes to baking the cake and to actually doing it, that's another story, isn't it, man? I mean, for, for, for many of us, we think, oh, how hard is it to bake a cake? You actually, you know what you read? Oh, that's easy. You actually do it? That's a whole other thing, whether or not it turns out or, or, or not. I, I think of in college, when I was you know, going through Bible college, we took a class, it was called Pastoral Methods, where they would teach us how to be good little pastors, you know, and they even gave us this cool little black book that kind of was your 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 answer to almost every situation. Well, you know, and so we we're going through this book, and and, uh, and and he says, whatever you do, keep this book handy to you, keep it next to your Bible, you know. And so in this class, they were teaching us how to do baby baby dedications and 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 uh, wedding ceremonies and and. Uh, communion services, you know, baptisms, all these different things. They, they were teaching us that and even how to do funerals. And, and even for the funeral part, they took us to a funeral home. And so they, were, they said, we want you to be comfortable that when it comes time to do your first funeral, you know what to do. And, and it's just like, okay, you know what, we're on this. And, and so we're touring around the, the funeral home and it's a little kind of, ah, you know, for, for some people, for me, I thought I was doing pretty good until they took us into the preparation room. Thankfully, there wasn't a subject in the preparation room. However, there was a bit of a smell of that formaldehyde and different things, and, and I was standing next to this great big guy, and, uh, and, and he was kind of leaning against the counter, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, okay, why is he on me? And then... Boom, and he just hits the floor, and he hits the floor at heart. He just totally fainted, and, and I'm giggling. I'm thinking this is pretty funny. This big monster of a guy, and this old professor and I are trying to get him back up, and all the other guys are kind of giggling and that, and so then he comes to, and he faints again, and it's just like, oh, and you know, but then I start looking around the room, and a bunch of the other guys are all starting to look a little green and a little, plot, you, know, you know, not looking so good, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Oh, I don't. I don't feel so good either. You know, like put the lid back on that formaldehyde. That's all. And so, next thing you know, you have all these, you know, what young college men all outside. You know, getting some fresh air. You know, the funeral director said, "I think we better get you guys outside and get you some air." You know, it's one thing to learn about it. It's one thing to actually do it. Hospital visits. Something again. We were taught that. My first three hospital visits when I was a youth pastor. Uh, I got called into into action in a, in in three. Three incidents in about probably a period of about two months. The three people I went to go visit in the hospital died right when I was with Two of them died right when I was with them. And, and the other person died just shortly after I left. I mean, that was those were things that school training would never prepare you for. you know. And it was, you know, oh my. I was praying. And, and so I'm always thankful when we make it through a prayer that no one dies here in the service. Because I was praying and, and all of a sudden person died and and it was just like okay i think i think you know what's going on here i think the prayers covered we got to do something here you know and um Anyways, I kind of had a reputation as a young pastor, um, don't have him come visit you. You know, it just wouldn't be a good thing for for him to come visit you because you just never know what might happen. Uh, Some of them were even calling me Pastor Death. That wasn't very nice, but you know, again, I mean, some of these things you learn about it, but all of a sudden when you get thrown into the experience of life, it's a whole nother thing. You know, and so Paul, I mean, he would have learned about contentment. Remember, this guy was a Pharisee. This guy knew the Old Testament. He knew the Word of God. He knew the Psalms. He knew the Proverbs. He knew what, all these truths about contentment and that we can rejoice in the Lord. That even, you know what, in Habakkuk, when the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He would have known all of this. So it all would have been in his head, but then he started to experience What it was like to live the reality of life for the gospel. With a gospel awareness and and on a gospel mission. And all of a sudden, what he was learning in God's word was now being put to the test. So you learn intellectually, we can know God's word, but then we start to live it. We live it in our experiences. And we start to live it out and live out these realities I mean, and, and just even this week, I was reading some in the book of Acts where, where you just kind of see the experiences that he went through on his missionary journeys. And, and he kind of summarizes it in 2 Corinthians 11. You may want to follow along here. I'm going to be reading some of those verses in there because we, he, he knew it intellectually, but now he got to experience life and, and how hard and how difficult it can be. And so here we have, in 2 Corinthians 11, he's defending himself. There's these false teachers that are coming along. They're stirring the pot within the church. And so, so Paul is defending his ministry. And so in verses 20, it starts at verse 23. He says, says about these, these false teachers. He's saying, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. one. So if some of you don't know math very well, that's 39. So you know what, 40 lashes less less one. So that's 39. And and the lashes that he got were not just from a nice little whip like this one. At the end of it where there's just a little knot on the end of the string, there would actually be chunks of of a sharpened bone in there. And so every time he'd get get one of those, there would be a little hunk of flesh that would come out. So he received these lashes, 40 minus 1, 39. This happened to him on more than one occasion. And, and, uh, and then it, it goes on, three times I was beaten with rods. That was just a plain old good old stick he was beaten with. Um, once I was stoned, it goes on to say, and, and, and that is not the Kelowna kind of being stoned. That is... Um, actual you read about this in acts 14 paul is in lystra okay i mean this guy i mean talk about a trooper talk about a, just just oh. i mean so anyway he he's preaching he's not it's not liked very well by the jews by his very own people and so they take and they drag him out of the city and they pelt him with rocks they leave him for dead he's probably unconscious probably a little concussed and so he's laying there and like oh he's dead let's just leave him and so they take off He's laying there and slowly he 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 gets revived. He he starts, you know, he gets his strength up and he he gets, you know, probably some of his, his, his friends are there with him and they get him up. And and what does he do? Does he run in the opposite direction? No, he goes back into the city and probably right to the very courtyard and said, as I was saying before I got interrupted, let me finish what I have to say. And he continued on. I mean, here's a guy who continued to keep on going. He doesn't run away. Instead, he, he, he perseveres through there. Three times I was shipwrecked, it says in verse 25. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from Roberts, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. It's toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst often without food in cold and exposure and apart from other things there is the the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I mean that's quite a list of the things that Paul has experienced and what he's going through and yet through all of this this is the guy who we're going to look at next week in verse 19 he says and my God shall supply all your needs. A guy who has lived the test. He's been living this out. My God shall supply all your needs. You see, we live in a rather soft age today. Anytime it gets a little tough, we face some opposition, we quit, we question, we start thinking, oh, I must be out of the will of God. No, at times we are facing just outright opposition and we need to continue to persevere through. You see, in our age that we live in today, we think that if you're going to serve God and you're going to do things for Him and and that it's going to be smooth and wonderful and people are all going to understand and people are going to love it and they're going to like you. That's never true in Scripture. It wasn't true for Jesus. It wasn't true for the Apostle Paul. You don't see that throughout church history. So oftentimes, we see that rather than pressing harder, that that we quit, we pack it in, we question. And Paul is saying that in difficulty, in hardship, you press on, you keep on going. And that betrayal is even the evidence that you are in the will of God. You need to be living biblically, living in humility. But when we face difficulties, and at times when we are betrayed, or laughed at, or mocked out. It's because God, God is allowing it. God, I mean, you're, you're pressing into the spiritual realms, and so there's going to be that opposition. Paul also knew what, was it, what it was like to have plenty. He experienced plenty to have abundance. And, and his life wasn't all terrible. I mean, you read this, and it's just like, oh, poor guy, like, man, that would be difficult. Remember, this is a guy who's content who's had all these experiences, he's not angry, he's not bitter, he doesn't hate the church. In fact, he loves the church even more. He still continues to have anxiety for it and cares for it and concern for it. He's not like, well, look what they've done to me. God, look what's happened to me. No, he keeps pressing in and he keeps going. But Paul knew what it was like to have plenty. We know not a lot about his life of abundance. He chose not to write about it. But I can imagine, I wouldn't be surprised if his time in Philippi, you know, that church that now sent him that money and that that church of joy. There were probably in their early days some real opportunities just to kind of sit back and enjoy. Because one of the first converts was a very wealthy lady. And this this lady Lydia was a successful businesswoman. She was selling th- she uh, purple linen, which was a very very exclusive kind of thing in the day. And so more than likely she was very wealthy. And so probably Paul and his entourage got to hang out at, at her place where there were servants and choice food and probably a swimming pool. And and it was just like hey, a lot of laughter, a lot of enjoyment. This is good, you know. <laughs> I'll get bunked down here in Philippi for a long time. But then he made the little bit of mistake no it wasn't a mistake cast the demon out of the slave girl next thing you know he's, he's in prison getting beat you know but jailer comes to know I mean all of this is happening to him, but he keeps pressing through it he keeps on going contentment is trusting Christ and choosing to be content right in the midst of our circumstances not waiting for them to get better it is that choice that I choose to be content today we have to be so careful to not live on the teeter-totter of life. Remember teeter-totters? All of you remember teeter-totters on the playground? For some reason, I think for safety reasons, I guess they got rid of them. And, uh, but, but remember those things? You know, you kind of have two, hopefully, somewhat easily weighted people. And you go back and forth, you know, and, and have a great time. How many of you also went on those teeter-totters and just walked up one side and down the other? Many of you have done that. Come on, have you done that in your past? Okay, yeah, of course. I mean, fun times, you know, these kind of things. But oftentimes, we live on the highs and lows of life. And, and whether we're high, whether we're low. And, and it's just kind of back and forth. And, and and we live like that. And 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 you see, there's a great danger when we are living on the downside because despair and discouragement moves in. When we're living just in the high side, that's oftentimes when pride and arrogance starts to take over in our lives. Contentment is living not up, not down, but right on the level. It's living right in the center of that. It's living in the center of, of God's word in our lives. And, and and here at Harvest Kelowna, we are just so blessed by people who are, have walked with us and continue to walk with us in... in um, Their experience of life. We have many who have experienced the highs in life. We have many who have experienced the lows. The discouragements in life. But I have a question for you. You might even want to write this down. If this is as good as it gets. Will Christ be enough? If this is as good as it gets. Is this on a slide guys? It might be. If this is as good as it gets, will Christ be enough? Yeah. If I get this, then I'll be happy. You know, it's that whole pylon thing. What if the healing doesn't come? What if the relationship isn't restored? What if I'm single for the rest of my life? What if my spouse isn't all that I want them to be? What if the prodigal doesn't come home in the time frame that I want? If this is as good as it gets where you're at today, will Christ be enough for you? He wants to be enough. Because when we can say yes to that, we are discovering contentment in our lives. Look at in verse 12, Paul says, In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret. How do you do that? How do you learn this secret? First of all, as I've been stating, contentment is a choice. You have to make that choice, that I choose contentment. But then, thirdly, our third point today is, is realizing your strength. Joy, true contentment, the secret about it is realizing your strength. And in verse 13, I can do all things through him, Who gives me strength. You see folks. There it is right there. That's the secret. The strength comes from Christ. It's not in our own strength. You can just go back still. To the the previous slide there guys. This is one of the most. Misquoted. And misused passages of scripture though. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Who gives me strength. You see. With this verse, don't go jump into the cockpit of an airplane if you've never had flying lessons and think, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or or jump out of that airplane once it's flying or if somehow you get it up in the air just because you've, you know what, used a, played a video game once and you got it up there. You know what, don't go jumping out of the airplane without a parachute and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sometimes people take that verse and, and they very much misuse it. sometimes. I understand it's on the ceiling of some gyms and some fitness centers, you know, above the bench press machine. It's up on the ceiling. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, you know, and, and through that, you know, I, I have this great motivation. Christ is giving me the strength to, to bench press 350 pounds. You know, I've never done it before. You know, and, and here I go. I'm going to g- give it in this way. I won't take the microphone and join the band on the stage and start singing with them and, and first quote the verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Either I don't have enough faith or I, I really feel sorry for you. Or I really love you folks and I don't want you to have to endure what's going to happen. We don't walk into the exam room having not, not studied and, and quote this verse and use this as it. What Paul is saying... Let's not misquote that. It, what Paul is saying in this is he is saying, I have learned in any and every circumstance to have confidence and con- contentment because of Christ's strength in me. The amplified version of this says it beautifully. Listen to this in Philippians 4.13. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for everything anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Isn't that good? He is infusing us. When we have decided that I'm going to be content whether I have plenty, whether I have nothing, whether life is good, whether it is hard and difficult and stinks that we choose to live at the center, that is when we rely on the power of Christ. That is when his power infuses into us. And I love that last statement. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. It's not going to take the good things in order for me to experience joy. It's not going to take everything going just as smooth as I want it to have contentment. It is experiencing this joy and contentment because Christ is going to infuse his power and strength into us. I'm ready for any circumstance. There's a very well-known Christian author by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. And some of you would remember her book. It was just when I was a teenager, her story came out. And here she was a teenager and she was in a diving accident. And she she jumped off a cliff and she uh, the, the water was too shallow and, and she ended up with a spinal injury. And so she is a quadriplegic and and she's done a lot of famous artwork and and just incredible things with just using her mouth and, and, and incredible artwork and you can go home and you can Google her but I mean her artwork is secondary to how God has chosen to use her in and through these circumstances. And she speaks at conferences. She's written books. And, and God has used her in a very mighty way. And But just listen to this statement. Uh, I just want to read this for you. Because it just summarizes her life. Because you think of, of. You know I mean God has used her. And yet it's come. At her deciding to make a choice every day. Listen to this. Surrounded by a crowd of women in a restroom. During. A break at a Christian conference. One woman putting on lipstick said, "Oh, Joni, you always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy." Several women around her nodded. "How do you do it?" she she asked as she capped her lipstick. "I don't do it," she said. "I, in fact, may, and I, uh, I, in fact, may, and I'll tell you honestly how I woke up this morning." This is an average day. I breathe deeply. After my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me, to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray, O oh Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath and dress me and sit me up in my chair, brush my hair and my teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine this one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day. But you do, Lord. May I have yours? God, I need you so desperately. So what happens when your friend comes through the bedroom door, one of them asked? I turn my head towards her and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine. It's God's. And so I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. I have learned that the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God. And the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover him to be. Isn't that an amazing truth? Spoken from A fellow warrior. Amazing story. Here's a statement I would love for you to write down today. And you can go to this on the screen guys. For this. I have Jesus. I can do all things through him. Through Christ who gives me strength. And this is the assignment that I give to you today. That is where these. Little sticky things can come in very handy. And you should have four of them. And, and so it's for, you know what, um, a number, if there's more than one of you in your household and you're sharing a, your, your connection card today, there's also more of these cards available for you out in, out in the lobby area and you can take more of these cards. But I would encourage you to write down this statement. Even write it down on one of those cards even right now. For this I have Jesus... And then underneath that, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And later on today, as you head out the door here from church, tomorrow morning when you get up, in the middle of the night, I would love for you to place this in places. Maybe it's going to be on your nightstand because sleep is difficult for you. And you say, for this, I have Jesus. And it's choosing Jesus, in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This actually, if you can go to that next picture, went up on our Facebook um, site as a church just this morning. I wrote this out and I put it out in front of Dr. Knox School. For this, I have Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't pastor this church in my own strength. But oftentimes I try to do it and I become weary, I become worn out, I get filled with anxiety. But for this, for Harvest Bible Chapel Kelowna, I have Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, whether it is in plenty or whether it is in not so much. And I'd encourage you maybe it's putting it over the bathroom mirror as you get up in the morning and you look at yourself and you think, how am I going to get this ready? For this, I have Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe... This week, you need to take a picture, and what I'd love for you to do is to take pictures of the places where you are going to place this. Maybe this is on your fridge, so it's a reminder of you through, throughout the day. Maybe it's inside your Bible. That's where I placed mine right now. For this, I have Jesus. But I'm going to take it, and maybe I'm going to put it on my computer screen. Maybe I'm going to put it someplace so that I am reminded that through whatever I face, whatever that obstacle, whatever that, that, that anxiety is, whatever that angst is in your life, maybe you're going to go find your husband and you're going to put it on his head and take a picture of him and say for this i have jesus I, I can do all things through christ who gives me strength maybe line up your kids and get a picture of them and, uh, w- with this nice little note for this i have jesus and what i'd like you to do is if you have my cell phone number text that to me or upload it on the harvest Kelowna facebook um, just go into the messages and you can send us a message email a picture however it is get it to us i would love to be able to put on our facebook Statement on our Facebook page this week. The different ways that we are trusting for Jesus to be more than enough. To be our all in all. For this, I have Jesus. Can you say that with me? I want you to repeat. I want to, I, This throughout the, when you're driving your car. Maybe some of you need to put it out in front of the, you know what, over the speedometer. For this, I have Jesus. You know, and uh, and so, okay, I want you to say it with me. For this, I have Jesus. Now say it with some oomphs, with some <clears throat> You know what, behind you, okay? For, right on, okay, so I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is a choice. It is leaning on his sufficiency, not in our own strength. But see, folks, I don't want this just to be a nice little slogan and a nice way to end our service here this morning. This can be a reality in your life. You see, we can take and we can apply this and it gives us a little oomph and a little motivation and say, for this I have Jesus. But the reality for all of this and the way that this can become real in our life is found in and through Jesus and through Christ alone. Do you know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted him for your salvation? maybe you're a child of God, you invited him into your life, but there's bitterness, or there's resentment, or unforgiveness, or you're holding on to an area of secret sin in your life. Then you know what? You can snap all the pictures you want, but God's power and strength is sapped in our life when we're living with bitterness, with sin in our lives. It's clearing that out of our lives through confession and repentance, and 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 coming before the Lord, coming to the foot of the cross, and and asking Him to to forgive us, to to surrender ourselves to Him. Even as we've been singing, we're singing earlier this morning, acknowledging who Jesus Christ is, and seeing ourselves as who we are, but coming under the waterfall of His grace and His mercy and forgiveness. And when we are there under that waterfall of that grace and mercy and forgiveness with broken and repentive hearts, we can say, for this, I have Jesus. And his power is infused into us by his Holy Spirit in, a, in an incredible way. You cannot know God's power and God's presence in the way we've talked here today. If you don't know him, and if you don't know him, we would love to be able to share him with you. We'd love to lead you in a prayer to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're going through life and you say, Melvin, the things I'm facing, it's just too hard. It's just too tough. It's coming to that point where you just say, God, I can't. But God, you can. For this, we have Jesus. We can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's bow together in prayer. And then we're going to worship together. Father, we come and we confess to you that we try to do so much in our own power and our own strength and how we can learn from the Apostle Paul that he knew that even though he was in that prison and oftentimes was even lonely and, and, and suffering uh, with physical um, deficiencies, he didn't have food in the way that he would have loved or the way that others would have had. He didn't have the freedom that so many others can have and yet he had a joy and a contentment. He knew that there were gospel partnerships. He knew there were people praying for him, encouraging him. Lord, may we know that same reality in our own lives. But Lord, may we also not just be consumers, but may we be people who not um, just sit on the chair and, and just consume from the body of Christ, but we would be those who would also partner and pray for and get to know others and and to encourage and and be involved in gospel partnerships that's the beauty of the body of christ and that's what you call us to and we thank you for that opportunity Father. i pray that we would learn to to trust you in all the situations that we face we would make that choice each day that we cannot but god you can and so we ask for your power through your spirit to fill us each day and from that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength whether we have plenty or whether we do not that we would live at the center of the teeter-totter and, and wouldn't live through the ups and downs and in a way that would bring despair or pride but instead we would live in dependency on you being infused with your Spirit's strength but that comes through daily realizing for this we need you Jesus. Oh, we need you every hour. I need you and may you take the prayers of your people that will be singing here today, Father, and do a work in each one of our lives. May we call out to you like we've never called out to you. If you're here today and you would like some prayer while we're singing the song, I encourage you just to come and love to have a short word of prayer with you love to be able to talk to you after the service and there's others that are available to talk with you and to support you and and to to get to know you in a way that they can pray for you and stand with you and start a gospel partner shop, partnership partnership and praying for and with you let's stand together as we worship jesus thank you thank you and hear this song is a prayer of our hearts today thank you jesus that we have you in all things